If we could have visited Jerusalem under King David's reign, we undoubtedly would have heard a lot of music. God loves music. And that's evident in a lot of ways. Pay attention sometime to how much your Bible talks about music. It's no mistake that the largest book of the Bible is basically a song and a prayer book. It's no mistake that the man after God's own heart, as much as he was anything else, he was a musician. And it's no mistake in nature how much music you hear. As uh, we went out to, to the car uh, this morning, and it was beautiful outside. I'm talking about leaving our house to come to church, and it was beautiful, and at the same time, it was, it was freezing, of course, as it was at your house. But uh, one thing that, that uh, just changed the whole atmosphere was there was one guy up in a nest across the street from our house, I guess, somewhere up in that direction, and even though our whole neighborhood was completely silent, he was just singing his guts out up there. And uh, a song, God gave the birds songs as if that was their God-given job to, to uh, brighten creation. And uh, you ought to pay attention to, to what God did in creation around you. But, but uh, that's to me is just one more testimony that God loves songs. Music doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but it should be, as a believer, it should be part of your life. And also, in, when, you, when you come to church, when we come into church services, value the music. You don't, it doesn't have to be your favorite singer or your favorite song, but value what, what we do here. And uh, we don't have any chronic late arrivers to church now praise the lord but we have over the years in the past we've had folks that you could set your clock by and uh that uh, they come uh, exactly uh you know 20 after 11 on sunday morning i asked a guy one time how come and i was joking and we laughed but i said how come if you can get here exactly 11 20 you can't get here exactly at 11 o'clock and uh, he laughed and he I think he blamed his wife, but anyway, um, which is funny because they didn't even ride together. But um, um, but I did make a serious point to him in a, in a kind way. I said, you know, it tells me, I said, when you come walking in when we've already finished singing, it tells me that you don't respect the worship. I said, I'm not sure why. And by the way, he had asked me. He wasn't. I wasn't just picking on him. He had asked me, you know, what I thought about some things. I said, I, it doesn't, it, it tells me that worshiping the Lord, I said, you know, in our church at, at uh, almost 1130, we're still standing singing. We're just sitting down at about 1130. And I said, you have made up your mind that that's not important to you. You know, that, that's not true. I said, well, your actions say otherwise. You asked, I'm asking, answering you. And um, value the worship. We don't, we don't sing just for filler. We sing because it is part of what God instructs us to do. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Do you, you think that means talking? I'm sure some of it is talking, but some of it is singing. And uh, don't, don't let the music just be routine to you. If you do that, you're missing, you're totally missing a huge element.
of your walk with the Lord. Sing to the Lord. And uh, sing to the Lord in, in worship. You say, well, I don't have a place in my house where I could sing without anybody hearing me. Who cares if anybody hears you? Who cares? Get on your knees. And I'm not saying all you should do is sing to the Lord, but let that be a part of what you do. As you go through the day, sing to the Lord. You say, I can't sing. That's why the Bible talks about make a joyful noise. I think the Lord appreciates sometimes maybe more the, the voice that makes a joyful noise than the one that, you know, you know, the opera voice. And probably the Lord's like me and says, oh, please, not that. But anyway, um, probably, probably not. But um, not, you don't have to have a, a concert voice to sing to the Lord. The Lord says, I, I love the, the fact that you're lifting up your voice to me. I love the, uh, the music in our church. Absolutely love it. Uh, I love our song leader. We have a famous song leader. Uh, people, I tell you, when I, when, when I see uh, preachers that have been here or people that have been here uh, and they are, you know, we're trying to catch up. I'm saying, how are you? How's your family? One of the questions that people so many, hey, how's your song leader? How's Brother Steve doing? Uh, he, because he makes such an impact with his, with his music. And I, I, I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for, uh, and I've, you know, over the years, and, and more so when I was, when I was younger, uh, I, I would have opportunity to be in churches where you'd sit and you'd go, why, you know, why is this guy leading singing? You know, I remember being in one church one time, and this is nothing wrong with this. I just thought it was funny. The, you know, different people have different methods of, of, uh, of, of keeping time. But this guy literally, his hand, and I can't do it because I got a bad right shoulder, but he literally raised his hand straight in the air over his head and just did this with his fingers. The whole, every song, blessed assurance. Jesus. Wow, that's, that's pretty neat. But um, I, I'm glad, though, that uh, we have a song leader with enthusiasm. I'm glad we have a congregation that uh, loves to sing, and we sing a lot. I've never heard one person complain. Maybe you're complaining to somebody else, but you've never complained to me. Pastor, we sing too much. Uh, I think that would be a foolish complaint to make. Why? Because the Bible worship is filled with singing. I'm glad for the musicians. I'm so glad that we have, uh, we have several uh, people that, that uh, play the piano. And so that, uh, and again, uh, I've been in church after church, some smaller, some larger than ours, who have no piano player. They never have a special number. You'd be, you'd be surprised, maybe you wouldn't, at how many churches our size, larger, smaller, who have no choir. And I don't know why that is, but I just praise the Lord that's not the case here. I praise the Lord that we, we have uh, people that play the instruments and, and just add so much to every song. I praise the Lord for our choir. And uh, if you're not in the choir, you may not know that the people in the choir give an extra hour of their week just to be prepared every Sunday. And I praise the Lord for them. I praise the Lord for their willingness to sing and their participation and their enthusiasm. I praise the Lord for the groups that sing that have blessed us time and time and time again. I praise the Lord for the soloists like my, my wife tonight. I praise the Lord that uh, every service, every service, we have someone who is willing and, and ready. It is very rare that we don't have 
a song uh, right before the message, and uh, the, we just had a day like, you may not have noticed, we had a day like that just a few weeks ago. It's because we all had sore throats. Nobody could, uh, nobody could sing. And so uh, I think we just sang a scripture song or two before the message. But we've never had a service where somebody wasn't willing to stand up and say, let me sing. And I praise the Lord for that. God is blessed by the music in our church. So how do you know that? Well, because I'm going to show you from 1 Chronicles 25 what God told us about the music in Jerusalem under King David. And I mentioned the first point on Wednesday night. It was our, if you uh, weren't here and you normally come, you know, we put a verse up there that uh, usually is a, is a verse of praise, like, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and so forth. And before we go to prayer, we, we sing praise and we take, we take words of praise. But uh, Wednesday night was a little different. I put First Chronicles 25, verse 1, which is uh, kind of crazy. Uh, it didn't seem to fit. But here's why, because there's a phrase in verse 1 that is my uh, first, first observation tonight. I want to show you tonight about the music in David's kingdom, and the subtitle of the message is Some Things I Love About the Music in Our Church. And I think we, we hit every one of these. And so I'm going to share them with you. And this is sort of a philosophy of music for us. It's sort of a, a um, confirmation of why we do some of the things that we do. And they are important. They matter. So I want you to see these things, and I hope that you will uh, notice the and notice. And by the way, they're all from Scripture. I was reading uh, my Bible. I think it was Monday of this week when uh, when I came across this, and bang, these things just jumped off the page, and I wrote them down, and I want to share them with you. First of all, I want you to notice that the music preached. Notice verse number one. Moreover, uh, uh, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the, of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. Prophesy. That was the first thing that caught my attention. And that is prophesy. They're prophesying with instruments. It says it again in verse number two. It says it again in verse number three. Three times it's, it refers to music as prophesying. And I love that, that music has that power. And I, I love it that the people in our church who, who uh, participate in music, including if all you do is, is sing congregationals, I love it that the music preaches. It prophesies. That's what the word prophesy there means. It doesn't mean foretelling the future. It means proclaiming the word of the Lord, proclaiming the message of the Lord like, like I do when I'm, right now, I'm prophesying, okay? I'm prophesying tonight there's going to be a bad snowstorm. It's going to turn to rain in the morning. But uh, no, that was a dumb joke. Um, no, I'm, I am prophesying right now because the word prophet, prophesy doesn't just mean foretelling. It also means forthtelling. And that's what I'm doing right now. And that's what my wife did on the piano a few minutes ago. And that's what you did when you sang the hymns a little while ago. And that's what Brother Ted did on the, on the bass a, a while ago. And that's what uh, Dale Ann does on the organ. And that's what uh, Sophie does on the clavinova. That's what Brother Steve does when, they, when, they, uh, when he leads the, the music. And that's what the choir does when they sing. 
They're prophesying. And I love that. I love it that we've had services and we don't plan this. It just happens where the song just takes over the service. Where we are so moved by the song that it may go on for another five or 10 or 15 extra minutes. We've had services in our church's history where we had to shorten the message because the song went a little longer. And that's okay because the song was prophesying. And I love it that the music in David's kingdom preached. And I love it that our music preaches. I love it also that the musicians worked. Look at verse 1. The number of the workmen. Who's the workmen there? It's talking about the musicians. The musicians worked. It is a lot of work to practice. It's a lot of work to play. It's a lot of work to, to learn an instrument. It's a lot of work to learn a song. It's a lot of work to get it right. Especially when you got the choir director up here screaming at you, right? Right? But it's a lot. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not serious. Um, it's a lot of work to get it right. And how many times, I mean, I've never been in choir practice here, but I've been in all kinds of musical practices in my lifetime. And somebody's going, hey, let's, let's try that again until we get it right. And I'm thinking, I already have it right. I don't know what their problem is, but I've already got it right. Um, anybody want to testify? No, I don't want to testify. But um, it's a lot of work to get it right. But you're doing that work because you care because the music is preaching. The song is preaching. I have no right when I'm preparing to say, ah, that's good enough. And if I came to the pulpit and told you, you know, this week I was preparing for today, and I, you know, I thought, yeah, I could go, um, I could go another couple of hours and really really put some, some extra uh, Bible in there, some extra truth in there, but this is good enough. You'd say, well, I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to come to church here anymore if we got a pastor who's given me what's good enough. Okay, then, then how does a musician have a right to say that's good enough? Now, look, there's, there's a, as, you, as you are preparing, as you are working, there does come a point where you have to say, all right, we, just, we have to stop there. There, there is a point of, I think that's as good as we're going to get it. But there shouldn't be a point of, ah, that's good enough. Why? Because we're workmen. It says workmen there. That's something. Workmen. Another thing I like about the music in David's kingdom is that the music followed a central philosophy. Now look at verse number two, which prophesied according to, to the order of the king. Look at verse 6. According to the king's order. That means more than just David gave an order. Hey, let's have some people sing. No, it, the order of the king. The organization of the king. The king said, we're going to do it this way. This, this is how 
you're going to sing and play the praises of the Lord according to the order of the king, the music. So the king is the one who decided. Now, before we go any further, I am not the king. But every organization has to have someone who calls the shots. Every organization has to have a central philosophy. And though I am not a gifted administrator, still, I do insist on defining the philosophy of our music. And so that we have a central so that anybody can sit out there, whether they know music or not, and see that our church isn't going five different directions at the same time. You know, the preaching's going this way, but the music's going this way. That's why there's certain, uh, certain songs and certain, certain even songwriters that we just don't allow. Don't allow. And I'm not going to get off on our philosophy of music, but there's just certain things that we don't uh, and I'm, I'm going to mention these names because they deserve to be bashed. But there's a very famous ministry in the world called Hillsong. If I find out that a song came from then, now they could sing Amazing Grace. I don't mean that they sing somebody else's song. I'm talking about a song that they wrote because they are just totally blown up with heresy. There's another church, I think it's in California, called Bethel Church. And I won't go into all their heresy and even blasphemy but they're very popular for putting out music if I find out that a song originated with them uh, I, I wouldn't have that song performed here any more than I'd let their pastor come preach for us because it's not in line and by the way in case you say well I don't know I think you're being a little bit too uh, uh, strict about that investigate what those two churches are about just Bethel just so you know that I'm not being some jerk um, Bethel practices something and openly they admit this they practice something called grave sucking you know what that is you go to the grave of somebody that you consider to be a christian hero and you try to suck the power of god out of their grave as if it's in there with the with the bones of the dead person yeah so we don't do bethel's music and why because because anybody who thinks that's good uh we we don't we don't want to line up I don't trust anything that you're going to sing again if you're going to sing how great thou art well that you didn't write that song they didn't originate that you you borrowed it I'm talking about a song that originates from a place that preaches false and I got a little off the where I intended to go but you need to know that's why we don't do there's certain things that we we uh, don't do in our church okay let me say for example we uh, this is this is you know people consider this controversial, but I want you to hear it. Uh, why I do why we do what we do? Um, I'm not against like drums for rhythm in general. I listen to uh, music where there's drum in the background. I never have, even when I had you know a lot looser standards on my personal. Even when I was listening, you know, to uh, to anything that came out of Nashville years and years ago, I still never loved uh, liked uh, a heavy drum beat. To me, it's a distraction from the music. But um, I but in in our church we don't use uh, drums for rhythm. 
Now, if there is a song that has the use of a drum for accent, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, it reaches a climax and, you know, and um, then, then that's, that's fine. But in our church, we don't use drums for rhythm. Why? Because it does something to the music, and more importantly, it does something to the atmosphere. Drums for rhythm changes the atmosphere of the service. And you say, I don't agree with that. Okay, but what I'm saying is we have to have a central philosophy. And that's what we proceed on. And so uh, that, that's an example of, and if you're going to get mad at me on anything I said tonight, it's probably going to be right there. But um, the music followed a central philosophy. Then notice this in verse 3. The music gave thanks and praise to the Lord. Verse number 3, to give thanks and to praise the Lord. I love it that when we sing or when people sing here, when we sing congregationals, that we are glorifying God. That's what music, in addition to preaching, it is also supposed to give thanks and to praise the Lord. And I love it that our music attempts to do that, and I believe our music accomplishes that, gives thanks and praise to the Lord. And I love this. Number five thing I noticed here, fifth thing, is that they made music by family. In uh, verse number six, it talks about uh, all these were under the hand of their father for song in the house of the Lord. And uh, then the whole rest of the chapter from verse eight to verse 31 is a breakdown of how each family was assigned to sing at this time. And they worked together to make that happen. And, and I love that. And uh, nothing will unite your family more than singing together. And, uh, and I don't mean performing. I mean just singing together. Nothing will unite your family more than engaging in, in uh, song. And especially when you do so in the work of the Lord, that's just another level of, of strengthening your family. Then notice this in verse 6. For the service of the house of God. Their music was service to the Lord. Have you ever considered, those of you, especially those of you who do, put, uh, put extra time in. Have you ever considered that you're, you're serving the Lord? It's not a performance. It's not a competition. It's service to the Lord. I am serving to the Lord. and be a good thing, if you don't already do this, to remind yourself to remind yourself. I remember being in a church one time and the, uh, the, the choir director was, I think he was um, in his 80s. Not, not quite as old as Brother Steve, but he was in his 80s. And, uh, but he, he, had been, he had been leading the choir there longer than the pastor had been there. And so we were at a uh, church event that afternoon and there was going to be church that night. And uh, the men were the men were sitting around, and they said, "I don't even remember the song leader's name, but they said, Brother so and so, what's the choir going to sing tonight?" And he said, uh, "He said, well, I don't know. I haven't I haven't prayed yet." And he would go to his study and he'd pray for an hour. What would you have us to sing tonight? Now that doesn't mean that everybody has to do that. It's just what the Lord had led that man to do, because he saw what he did as service to the Lord. And he took it very seriously. Their music was service to the Lord. Then I want you to notice in verse number seven that their music was spiritual. It says they were instructed in the songs 
of the Lord. The songs of the Lord. Now, some of this music had words. It was vocal. But some of it was just instrumental. Clearly, as you read all these, all these instruments, that the music they were playing was the music of the Lord. Their, their music was spiritual. Now, this is an important point, and I hope that you will listen and consider this. But uh, there was a, a um, musician probably 15, 20 years ago that was making the rounds. And um, he, had, he had been to a, a well-known music school, not, not Christian music school, but a, a secular music school. And he was making the point that music is ah-spiritual. Ah, meaning not. Music is ah-spiritual. So as long as you're saying good words, it doesn't matter the instruments. It doesn't matter the tune. It doesn't matter the chords. And um, so he would, and he, would, he would say, you know, because he had been to a, uh, a what he thought was a um, noted musical institution, that he knew what he was talking about. And the fact, and I didn't, I didn't debate him. I didn't, I never even slammed him. I'm not even going to mention his name here. But um, the fact is, a secular music school is not going to teach you the spiritual power of music. But if you think that music has no spiritual component, I'm sorry, you are, you don't know music. You may know a lot of chords and notes and stuff, but if you don't think music has a strong spiritual component, you don't know music. Paul McCartney said music is one of the most powerful drugs on the planet. And he was no preacher. There are chords. He said, you know, you would think, wouldn't you, that anything you could play on that piano would be okay. You know, there are chords and chord progressions that if somebody used them on the piano... I would, I would say to them afterwards, don't ever do that again. You say, well, what if I do it by accident? You won't, because they're, kind, they're the kind of chord progressions that you only do on purpose. You only do them if, if you're trying to accomplish something evil. There are evil chords and progressions that you could play on the most innocent of, of instruments. Because music has a spiritual component, don't ever doubt it. Their music was spiritual. They were instructed in the songs of the Lord. And I want you to notice this. This is the last point. The musicians were skilled. It says, verse 7, all that were cunning. That means they were good at it. They were skilled. I love it that those of you that have musical skill use it for the Lord's glory. I also love it that so many of you ha are, are, have learned and are learning music for the purpose of using it in God's house. I love it. Now, that's not to glorify me. I know you don't do it to please me. I, 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 it does please me, but you don't do it to please me. You're doing that for the Lord, and the Lord is pleased. The Lord is pleased when you pick up that instrument or you sit down that instrument and you strive to get it just right. It sounds good to somebody who even doesn't even know music, but it sounds good to the Lord too. Hey, the Lord created harmony. There, there's, a, um, there's a beauty to harmony that even if you don't know music, you enjoy it. 
And harmony takes work. I'm talking about musical harmony now. Harmony take work, takes work. It takes practice. It takes you finding just the right note and hitting it every time and not being thrown off by the person standing next to you. These are all things that you have to learn and you have to work at. But when you achieve that, that harmony, how many times in musical practice, if you're, if you're good at it and you're striving to get it right, does, have, I, have I heard somebody in the group, and it's usually not me because whatever I am good at, it, harmony is not, is not one of my specialties for sure, uh, but somebody else can hear it. Hey, time out. If, if, we would just, if you would just go up a half a step for, for, for one beat and then go right back down, that would, that would change the song. It doesn't sound like that's possible, right? But it is. That one little moment in there can change the whole feel of the song. But you do that work. And you know what? It's pleasing to the ear. People hear that and they don't even know. Man, that was good and I don't even know why. If you don't know music, you'll go, man, that was good and I don't even know why. But the Lord knows it's good. The Lord enjoys it. And the Lord enjoys skilled musicians. Thank you. Thank you, choir, for not giving the Lord your leftovers. Giving the Lord of your best. Thank you, Brother Steve, for not, not just giving half an effort when you feel like it, but giving it everything you've got every time. Thank you, congregation. As I, as I look out, of course, right now we're not using hymn books and uh, I never thought it would go this long. It's going to be two years in March that we haven't been using hymn books. That's just crazy. And who knows how long it's going to last, but I watch as I sing. I, I watch as you're looking at the screen if you don't know the song or uh, as you're, as, if you know the song, singing to the Lord. I don't mean I'm you know, watching you in a way that would embarrass you like I'm staring at you. I'm talking about I, just, I scan the crowd and I look and I see you are singing to the Lord. And I appreciate that. Thank you for singing to the Lord. That means so much. Our, our music program, and I'm winding down, I'm almost done here. Our music program uh, may never pack the house, but that's not our goal. We're not trying to pack the house with our music program. I've said before, but I would love to have such a music program that people in Danbury say, hey, you got to go check that out, church out just at least one time because you got to hear their music. I think that'd be awesome. But that's something different. I'm saying we're not trying to, to uh, adopt a, a music program or a style of music that fills the seats. We're trying to bring glory to the Lord. And I believe we do that. You do that. You make that happen. Thank you for participating. Thank you for giving the Lord your best every time you sing. Thank you for those uh, groups that will stay after, sometimes Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday night. Sometimes on Wednesday night, there's, there's some of you ladies that, uh, I mean, after I've done everything I've got to do and I'm pulling out of the parking lot with, with uh, my wife, you're still up here practicing your songs. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I would hope that just as David made sure, remember that we, I preached this message a few months ago where David said, praise awaits you. Praise awaits you in Jerusalem. 
He told the Lord, when you, when you lend your ear towards Jerusalem, you're going to hear people praising you because we were prepared. Well, I hope that's true of our church. I believe it is. That if God wants to hear a song of praise to him, he knows. He can tune into the music in our church. And I know he's God and doesn't work quite like that, but those are the terms that we understand. He can tune into the music in our church and hear the praise from hearts of people who are lifting up their hearts and using their hands and using their abilities, using their skills to give glory to God. 